What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 77, 75% British, 25% Irish, but absolutely still 100% Giants. Shane and Kev are back, so it's a full house to bring you the latest Giant news on what is International Women's Day. Happy Women's Day, everybody. Um, the Daniel Jones saga, the Daniel Jones contract saga, came to a dramatic clu- conclusion last night. Um, which we're all going to talk about very, very shortly. And plus, later on, as our resident college experts are back in the house, we'll break down their draft boards or start to break down their draft boards as we start looking at the top five prospects in each position. Guys, how are we doing? Yeah, really good. It's good to uh, be back. Um, start off by just giving a quick shout out to Ruben for last week's episode. Listen back to it um, on my journey to work. And, you know, it was a really, really great guest to have on. And a really great episode to listen to just as a, as a listener this time. Yeah, definitely. Just to echo that, I mean, Ruben was a fantastic guest and you boys done really well. And it was a, a very good listen back. Um, but uh, we all know why we're here this evening. Yes, uh, finally got done. Uh, I know that myself and Shane were at football last night. I don't know about you, Shane, but I was uh, glove off, refreshing constantly with my hand going completely and utterly numb, just waiting for that news to break. Glove off, hand going numb. Are you sure you're a football craig? <laughs> I know it's so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there constantly all evening, refreshing, 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 thinking this this can't get close. You know, this should be organised like well in advance, and it's just waiting to announce it. I mean, like kind of like we were sitting there waiting. I put it in the group chat last night. You're sitting there waiting for like a last minute goal in a cup final, and you're peppering the goal, and you're like, you, you know, so you think it's going to come, it's going to come. Luckily, it did in the end. Yeah, literally at uh, the very, very last minute. I think uh, part of me thinks they, uh, they'd done it a few hours earlier and sort of left it to drop to the media just to create sort of dramatic effect and sort of drop it five minutes before the deadline at nine o'clock here. Yeah, but anyway, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Um, as I said, coming up for you later on as well is Shane and Kev's top five draft prospects. Uh, starting off this week with quarterbacks, running backs and receivers. But there is only one place we can start and uh, kick off tonight. And that's the news that, like I said, just broke before 9pm last night. Um, after an anxious last minute, anxious wait, a last minute deal was uh, struck with Daniel Jones and his representatives. And after declining the quarterback's fifth year option, we've now agreed to a four year, $160 million contract with Daniel Jones. Uh, and he can also earn another $35 million in incentives over the course of that four years as well. So it's big, big money for a big time player. Um, it's been since revealed that uh, the cap hit for this upcoming season is around $19 million. Um, however, the hits for the other four years aren't known yet. And also, despite this being announced as a four-year deal, it seems the contract is only fully guaranteed in the first two years. Uh, and there's an option to sort of get out of it in year three. Um what that looks like will be very interesting. Um, but before we get into specifics of the deal, I just want to gauge your initial thoughts on re-signing Daniel Jones. Is it a good move or would you 
would have preferred to explore other options. Shane. Um. <laughs> Kev. <laughs> um. I'm pleased he's back. Nothing more than just pleased. But, you know, I'm not happy or ecstatic or buzzing. I still think he's got a lot to prove. Um, I got to the point where kind of the, I, I don't think he's a 40 million pound player. That's just me. But that, I understand that's the market. You know, just because I don't agree with it, doesn't really, doesn't really matter what I think effectively. Um, but I, I just don't think he's a 40 million pound player. I think he's a middle of the road QB. He's kind of in that. 12 to 16 range. Yes, he had a top 10 QB season last year. But what about the previous two years? And in, even his rookie year, I mean, you know, people say he had a great rookie year. He did, but there was no tape on him. So I kind of expect a rookie to have an, an okay season when there's no tape on him. Um, it's one of the, you know, it, it's kind of time, time's going to tell if, it, if it's a good move or not. But like, you know, very I think Diable and Shane have took to a certain extent, I've hitched their horse to this wagon now. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the one thing everyone seems to be overlooking as well, I mean, let's give a shout out to Dave Gettleman. I mean, he, don't, he ain't here if we don't get him. <laughs> wow, we're still talking about Dave <laughs> Gettleman. <laughs> Congrats, Dave. Congrats. Well done. There you go. Shout out done. <laughs> Kev, what um, So initial thoughts are, I was pleased. I wanted to get the deal done. I knew it would be around the forty million per range because you know that pits them around sort of like the seven, eight, nine currently average. Um, obviously, it's average. Um, it, uh, come to light this evening is the actual cap hits, and we'll get into that um, exactly in a little bit. But I just think um, I want them back because I I saw tr- enough traits um, in him, and obviously Dable and Shane she- did as well. You know, this is their first time head coach, first time GM. Um, and I actually trust them. We, they've done well by us so far. Um, and they've, you know, evaluated him and decided, look, this he has got the he's got the traits and talent to build around. We just need to build around him. I mean, the, the way I kind of was thinking about it um, last night after the deal came through, I think you're kind of they're paying for what they expect him to be with their coaching and with the putting talent around him. It's almost I'd liken it to taking a first round pick. You never know how you know you, you don't know how the first round pick is going to be. You're investing big time money and draft capital into a first round pick on what you predict they will go be going forward. And I think you know Daniel Jones has shown enough over the last four years, but specifically this past year, um, to to warrant a bit of trust in him and um, for us to get behind him and um, and go and like we'll talk about the structure of the deal. It's a very good deal in my in, in respects of um, it's an easy deal to get out of after two years. So, you know, it's not like a big-time four-year commitment. It looks big. You see the four years, you see the 160, um, but you can actually get out of it after two years, which I think is great play by Shane. Um, but obviously, um, the agent and Daniel Jones, they hit that 40 million mark. I think that 40 million per year average was a number that they just wanted to get to, you know, as you know, his confidence, he's a QB. He wants to comp- uh, compete against the best. I think they wanted to get to that number, and they managed to kind of meet in the middle, get to the number they needed to get to um, to get the deal across the line. In shame we trust. Craig. You're on mute, Craig. And that's the learning of uh, not muting yourself. But I think this is um, one thing that's it's interesting that you get a contract where um, both teams can kind of walk away from it and think 
we've won this. If you look at the 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 way that Jones wanted, he wanted something to come up with you know in the, around the forty mark. And if you look at the the average per year, it's in the forty mark. If you if you take it across the entirety and look at all the the additions there. And then Shane wanted to walk away with something more towards the 35 mark. And you look at the outs and it's more towards the 35 mark. So it's very interesting that you can walk, you know, DJ can walk away and go, well, I'm going to take my agent and all my friends out for dinner and pay for it. Like he said, he did. Um, whereas Shane can turn around and, and go, well, I've, I've hit exactly what I want to do. Um, like Kev said, we'll get into it, but low cap hit year one to, that allows us a bit more flexibility and, yeah, I think overall, there's not much you, you're not going to like. Yeah, I think personally for me, I'm I'm so glad it got done. It, even though it took up right up to the deadline last night, I'm just I'm just happy it's done and out of the way. Um, for me, it, I've always been in the case of just pay the man. I mean, he's he he earned his contract this last year. He got us not only got us the playoffs, but got won us a playoff game as well. Um, he showed what he can do, not just with his arm, but with his legs, more importantly as well, and that he can lead this offense. Um, I get your um, reservations about him, Shane, because he's still not shown that he's top 10 talent, and I think he's got the potential to get there. Um, but to to get there, we needed to tie him up, and we've tied him up. And I think Joe Shane's going to be happy with the contract that he's signed into, and Dan Jones is pretty chuffed with the contract that he's got as well. So I think it's definitely a win-win for, like Craig said, for both parties. Um, and it's hopeful and it's looking good for uh, 2023 that we've tied him up to that contract. And now, you know, we can put all this in the past and really focus on this season and build in on the success of last year as well. Just to, just to notice quickly, sorry, Dan, before you go on, just to give you people, listeners, an idea of, of, of what ballpark he's in. So the players currently ahead of him are Rodgers, Wilson, Murray, Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, Allen, and then Stafford and Prescott. And then the uh, QBs just behind them are Carr, Cousins, Goff, uh, Jackson on the tag, Matt Ryan, Tannehill, Baker Mayfield. So you can see kind of where he's fitting in in the current. And obviously you're going to get t- uh, uh, quarterbacks like your Trevor Lawrence, your um, Burrows, you're the, these type of uh, quarterbacks are going to get paid soon as well, and they will overtake Daniel Jones. So, you know, it's not – people see the 40 million and think it's outrageous. And we said it before on the podcast, it is. Anyone getting paid that money is outrageous. But I think he kind of slots in the right sort of valuation, to be honest. Yeah, you look at you look at those players ahead of him and you think, all right, fair enough. You look at the players behind him and you think, well, Jones is better than pretty much all of them bar one, maybe. So, you know, I think he, he is – it's pretty fair where he is, where, where his contract sits. And like you said, the the guys that are still on rookie deals that are better quarterbacks than him are eventually going to take over. Um, just a few interesting things to note. So he, the fact that he looked good under last year's offense and the um, players around him elevated because of his play. Um, he's the first Giants first round pick uh, to receive a contract extension since Odell Beckham Jr., which is quite astounding. Um, and so when that was posted in the group chat earlier, I thought, wow, okay, that's uh, that's that really surprised me. That. There's another part to that. Go as for well. it. I actually, I actually saw that he's uh, the, the only other player that we've drafted that we have signed to a contract extension other than those two is Sterling Shepard. Wow, that's it. Wow, so uh, it, 
it is crazy, show, but it goes to show, like, just our, you know, over the last ten years, how poor our drafting's been. Either that, or we've just let good talent go, leave the building and and not tie them up to a new deal. So, sorry, Kevin, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, um, you know, I do think we need to build around him. I think now the Sheehan has a bit of money to spend now. He's kind of said today in his press conference, he's not sh- uh, shopping in the bargain aisle anymore. He's, you know, he won't go mad in free agency, but he is able to use um, the, the, the the money they've got available to them. Again, we, we'll probably get touch on that a little bit later. Um, and also the draft picks. You know, he's got another draft now. He's, he's got a full season of drafting, of scouting now, whereas he came in late in the process last year, don't forget. So he's actually got a full year as a Giants GM scouting the college ranks. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that, you know, they will be able to put things in place to be able to to, to, to show the true, true potential that he's got. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the fact that he's uh, year one only hits um, 19 million on the cap allows the, the team to make some moves in free agency. And it's, you know, I don't think we're going to go stupid in free agency and, and, and sign some players with crazy money, but it allows us some flexibility. Um, and the fact that he must have he must have impressed Dable and Shane, he really must have impressed them to, for them to sign him because they had no ties to him before that, um, and they could have easily just walked away and said, you know what, he's not our guy, we don't want him in the building. Let's go, let's move on, and let's create the team that we want. So he must have impressed them. Um, and it's the first time as a pro that he's going to have the same offensive coordinator for two years in a row, which is, you know, it, again, it's only going to help to build on the success of last season. But Shane, what do you think having that same offensive coordinator for the second year in a row? What impact do you think that's going to have on Dan Jones? Um, in all honesty, it needs to have a big impact. Realistically, you know, you're paying a quarterback franchise money now. Like for me, Jones has got to get better than what he was this year. Like I don't want to see the same. I want to see an improvement. You're getting paid like a franchise quarterback now, so I want to see that play from you. The big reservation I had was Brian Dable improved Josh Allen. Brian Dable improved Daniel Jones. So why couldn't Brian Dable improve another quarterback if we'd have gone that route? So that's one of the reservations I have. But I think, you know, he, he's got to he's got to throw it a little bit more. He's got to have a he, he, either the old has gotta have faith in him or he's gotta have faith in the play calling it in himself because you know, um, was it two years ago when he had like was it the most deep balls completed or some some stat like that? But it seemed like last year uh, the season just gone, sorry, which technically is last year now. Um, he wasn't throwing it deep and there was some hesitance at the time and it's kind of a case of, no, you, you want to see him making them throws that you, you can, he, he makes and you say he's one of the few quarterbacks that can make that throw. So whilst I think the oh, keep, keeping Kafka is obviously going to be an improvement, I think it, it, it's got to be as well. Yeah, you make a good point about the fact that Jones was one of the best, was leading the league in, in deep balls the year before last and didn't so much throw it deep last year. But I think that's probably down to playbook slash play calling. Um, and, you know, us not being in the point position where we're, we're desperate to score points um, like we were in the year before under Joe Judge where he didn't feel like he had any other option because nothing else was working. He's just going to launch it downfield and hope for the best. And, you know, luck whether luckily or not, you know, Jones connected on the passes and, and ended up, you know, leading the league in that metric. But yeah, you make some fa- you make some valid points to Shane and I think 
it's it's going to be interesting to see how he operates in the second year under the same offensive coordinator, and if it's going to have any dramatic impact on on the um, on the offense and on him on Dan Jones himself. So, I'm going to look in depth at Jones's contract, and there's only one person that can really talk in depth about Dan Jones's contract. That's our resident cap king, that's Mr. Kev. So, Kev, give us the details of Dan's contract. Uh, well, we'll go too, into two all the nitty gritty of it, but you know, essentially, right, it's a four-year deal, 160 million, 82 million guaranteed over the first two years. So, basically, the way I look at uh, these type of deals is, right, what is the cap hit each year? And um, when can we get out of the deal? Those are the kind of like the big things when it comes to these big contracts. Um, and you're looking at it and you're saying, right, it's 20, 19 million this year cap hit. Then it's 45 million next year cap hit, 39 and a half 2025. And then it jumps to 56 in 2026. Now, it, obviously those are like, you know, it does get increased numbers, but people have to remember as well, the cap this year is 239, uh, 229, sorry. Uh, 229 million the uh, uh, salary cap, and that's expected to jump to 260 next offseason, and then it's expected to jump to 290 the season after. So you look at when Daniel Jones is getting paid 45 against the cap next season, but in fact, the cap will be up 30 million anyway. So you kind of like have to think that you know, all right, these are big numbers going forward, but don't forget the cap is going to increase significantly going forward. Um, the deal's been structured in a way where, you know, the first two years are pretty much fully guaranteed. He's playing for the Giants for at least two years. We know that. But then after that, there is an out. And um, we would actually make 21.5 million cap savings if we were to cut him after um, year two. So um, the way the deal's been structured, I think, is fantastic. And I can see why Jones's camp were pushing back, maybe on this the way this was structured. And maybe the give was, right, we'll give you the 40 per, but we want an out after two years. And they kind of structured it that way, um, especially this season, dropping down to 19 because uh, if he had been tagged, he would have been tagged at um, 32.5 million. Whereas now he's coming in at uh, 18.5, actually, correct, sorry to correct myself, 18.5 million this year. Um, and Daniel Jones actually said that he was keen to get the deal over the line to be able to reduce the number and actually um, help the team out in that way. And also, um, just to veer off a little bit, and we'll talk about it in a second, Allowing the deal, getting the deal over the line, allowed the Giants to tag Saquon Barkley to make sure that both parties were able to come back and help the Giants going forward. Yeah, I think it's a. It looks like you said it looks big on the outset. It looks like it's a, a big contract. Like you know, I think we're one hundred sixty million dollars over four years. There's a lot of money, but when you actually look at the intricacies of it, it's pretty smart. And I think Joe Shane's waved his little magic wand and worked some real magic with this contract because there's a again it's there's big numbers but it's all it does it doesn't all hit in one season it's all sort of fairly well um, staggered out across the four years and like I said there's that out after two if needs be as well um, but how much cap space does that leave us to play with during free agency um, and for using to sign our draft class then? so. Um... With with this deal coming in now, and both are actually sort of like registered, so we do have the 10.1 million for Saquon and we have the 18.5 for Daniel Jones. Um, it actually currently leaves this with about um, 
leaves us with about 18 and a half million at the moment. And um, now that's not taken into consideration. Um, rookie, um, rookie, what's the word I'm looking for? The basically the rookie money, there's the money needed for the rookie, um, class, it, yeah, the rookie class, but there's like a another word for it anyway but like a, so that's about term, like, isn't there yeah 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 like this, yeah the, you know the money needs to be kept aside and that's approximately 11 million but also that that's not including the kenny Gall kenny Golliday cut so we are have said we're going to cut him but joe sheen hasn't decided yet whether that's going to be a pre-june cut or a post-june cut now if if it's a pre-june cut we take all the cap hit this year and we see if 6.7 million this year and we save all of his 21 next year that would be my preference because we really don't want to take any more dead money into next season. Um, but if we if we decide to uh, designate it a post June first, then it's going to be um, thirteen million savings this year. But then we will have to pay that six point seven next season that will go on to the dead money for next season. But obviously, with the cap jumping, um, it could be something they want to do. And just a quick note on that: if you designated a post June um, cut, the money cannot be used until June. It's not like you cut him. Post-June designation, 12, uh, 13 and a half million, um, and you get that money to use now, you don't. You can only use it then. But again, that money could be used towards the draft class because you don't have to sign your draftees until further down the line into camp and stuff. But, you know, there's there's, there's Leonard Williams is currently on the cap for $32 uh, million. Uh, $32 million. Um, Dory Jackson's on for 19. I mean, these are players that if we were looking to extend, we could bring down their um, cap number significantly by building the money into the deal for future years. Um, so that's what I would love to, like to do with them too. I mean, Leonard Williams himself, if we were to just cut him, we would save 12 million by cutting him. But are you going to get a player as good as Big Cat for 12? Um, I'd rather speak to him, you know, at the age of 29, He's got at least two, three years left in him. I would look to extend him and bring that cap number down. Um, and there's lots of other little things they can do to try and, you know, manoeuvre some money. So, you know, that 18 isn't a hard number. Um, but we do have, we, we have enough money to bring in two or three good mid-level players um, and be able to function for the season. Yeah, I think Big Cat's already said he's willing to take a pay cut um, and, and drop his number to re-sign and, and help out the team this year as well, aren't he? So... You know. and don't forget if Saquon signs a long-term deal, his ten point one um will drop as well for his cap for this season if he signs an extension. Yeah, I think I mean, it's we're in such a better position than we were this time last year, aren't we? Like this time last year we were crying and we were literally as as I think as Keith said last, a couple of weeks ago, we had like two pounds fifty in cap space or so we're in such a better position. I think Moving forward, it's, again, it comes down to management of that cap, and I fully trust Joe Shane to do it. I really do. I mean, like, the only thing we could do last year was we, we signed Mark Lewinsky as, like, a mid-level type player, you know, and he was signed um, to a three-year, $19 million deal, um, but his cap hit last year was three. His cap here hit this year is eight and a half, and his cap hit next year is seven. Um, so we do have – we'll have money to be able to – get players in on that type of deal. Like say, for example, you know, you're going to pay someone three, three years, 19 million, but the cap hit would only be about three this season. Do you know what I mean? So you're able to make those type, a few of those type of deals easy enough. Yeah, man. All right, Craig, given that we know the specifics of the new contract now, um, what do you make of it? And do you think it's good value? 
Yeah, like I touched on on before, I think it's a it's a friendly deal for both parties, isn't it? Um, I think Joe Shane's been quite savvy in what he's done. Uh, I think the outs that we have after two years and three years um, are are massive for not only securing an out if Jones struggles, but also not you know handcuffing ourselves if if that is the case by by the fact that we can get out. Um, with only nine million in dead cap space, if we cut them in twenty twenty six, and Kev will probably know the number better than I would off the top of my head, but I believe his cap hit for twenty twenty five isn't too high. If if we cut him, is that right? For twenty twenty five, if we cut him, um, we would save twenty one and a half million. So, so his, uh, his actual like uh, dead money would be eighteen, but we would save twenty one. His cap is thirty nine. Yeah, his actual so- cap is thirty nine in twenty twenty five. Sorry. And as we said, the cap number is only going to go up. So best case scenario, Daniel Jones turns into a top five quarterback, hits all his incentives because he's got crazy incentives of one million for being a top 15 quarterback and another million for being top 10 and another million for being top five. And it- I will just say, I did forget to mention, like people saw the 35 million incentives. I mean, tied into that is stuff like MVP like mm. and Super Bowl wins. And like, so although you see the big number of 35, if he hit everything on that, I mean, we've won multiple Super Bowls and we've been fantastic, so happy days. And the other thing to note on that is the fact that I think the incentives add up to 70 million, but he can only earn a maximum of 35 million through those incentives. So it's very, it is very smart what, what Shane's mm-hmm. done and the verbiage in it will take weeks and weeks to digest fully and to try and really understand how this works. But yeah, I, I think it is good value. If you look at the bigger picture, but as we know, and what Giants Twitter has been like for the last couple of weeks, um, it's like a war zone out there. <laughs> and uh, people people don't delve in, do they? People will see one number and they will focus on that one number. And you just got to look at the bigger picture sometimes. Always look at the bigger picture when it comes to money, um, when it comes to contracts. Um, all right. So we've signed Dan Jones up long term. Well, mid mid to long term. Um, you know, four years potentially, job done. What about Saquon? So now that obviously we've tagged Saquon Barkley. So the um exclusive franchise tag has gone on Saquon Barkley, um, which ties into the team for ten point one million dollars a season. But it still allows other teams to negotiate with him. Uh, if they wanted to sign him, they're gonna have to give up two first round picks. Playing on the tag isn't sort of the desired outcome for him. He doesn't want to play on the tag. Um, but there are reports to say that the Giants and Barclays agents have had positive talks on Monday. Um, and it all points to sort of a continuation of negotiations that hopefully result in a long-term deal. Um, Joe Shane reiterated his um, love of Saquon during a press conference as well. Said he's a good teammate, he's a captain, and he's a hell of a player. So... Shane, what's the likelihood of Barkley signing a new deal before the uh, 15th of July deadline? Um, I don't believe Saquon will play on the tag, and that's because I think he'll get a deal. I think that he'll, he'll sign a, a three-year deal, and I know some people might not want to hear that, but I think, I, I personally, the, the important thing, I think if you're bringing DJ back, I think you need to bring Saquon back as well, because I think they're probably both as key to each other. And them two combined is what led to our success this year. Yeah, Barkley faded off in, in the middle, but you know, 
he was still a key part as to why Daniel Jones was able to do some of the stuff he was able to do at times, you know, especially at the start of the season when we were getting teams to bite on that play action. And, you know, Jones was keeping the ball and they were all running towards Saquon thinking he'd got it. Um, so what I think that Saquon, I think Saquon will get a deal. I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe got it before next week to give it us even more money for, for free agency. Let's hope so. Um, you know, just obviously see that question from Steve pop in. Evening, Steve. Glad to uh, glad to see you watching and listening. Um, I, I generally think he'll get a deal as well, and it, I think he'll get a deal sooner rather than later. Um, nothing about Barkley screams to me greedy, selfish, money-grabbing. To me, Barkley is all about team. He's all about winning. He's all about being competitive and being professional. And so... I personally think, yeah, within the next month, he'll he'll have a new deal locked down, and it will only benefit the team in the long term even more. What do you reckon? What do you reckon, Kev? Yeah, so I think, um, so say for example, like you know, if we come in, sign him for like a three, four year deal. Say it's a four year deal, um, and I believe he was offered twelve million per year in the bye week, and he turned that down. <clears throat> Obviously, he picked up injuries. He didn't have the the, the consistency throughout the whole season, although he was healthy for the whole season and played really well at the beginning and really well at the end, there was a bit of inconsistency in the middle. And he said he's not, and he did say in his post uh, exit interviews that he wasn't trying to reset the market. So he's not trying to get like 16 million McCaffrey money. Um, but I believe, you know, the Giants are, are sort of staying around 12.5. I mean, I think they would go to 13, 14 tops, but I think like you won't see much more than that. I think big Barkley's holding out for around 14 million per year. Um, but I can see it coming at like 13. To so say, for example, if you, if you, Sent to a four-year deal at like 13 average, the first year you could have it as low as 5 million and then obviously have the um, the money spread out along the rest of the deal. But again, don't be surprised if this comes in like at a two-year two deal with a two-year out, um, um, the way Sheen has kind of structured this Daniel Jones um, uh, deal. So I can see it happening. Um, part of me would, would say, right, play on the tag and see how you are, prove it again. Um but also another part of me is like he is a class player on his day and he is a proper giant. And he's you have to part of me wants you have to reward your good players. Um, and then you know, to show the rest of the league, look, this is what we do. We're giants, we do things a good way, a classy way. Do you know what I mean? You come in, you play well, you get the rewards for that. And we've seen that with Daniel Jones now, and I can I definitely think we can see it with Barkley. I mean, he has until June uh, 15th or 17th. Um uh, July, sorry, July 15th or July 17th to get a, a long-term deal done. If a long-term deal isn't done by then, uh, he will have to play under the franchise tag or refuse to play for that season. But um, I definitely think that a, a, a long-term deal will, will get done. Yeah, I do as well, like I said. Um, so if we do sign to a long-term deal, like I mean, you kind of partly answered it, but what sort of hit do you think that I have on the cap this season? So again, I think like you, if you come in at like thirteen per uh, thir average, thirteen average per year, um, you might be looking at around six, seven, six million this season will be against the cap, free and up four million, and four million, you know yourself, is a good mid-level player. So um, if you're signing into that type of deal, you'll be able to drop the cap uh, a little bit this season. You know, you might be paying sixteen for the next three years, but you're paying five or six this season. Um, um, I yeah, I definitely think uh, it will help the cap situation, and um, like I said, it'll be another player, another decent player to come in. Yeah, definitely, and I think we uh, we need some decent players and uh, plenty of other positions, so I think that definitely helps. So, Craig, do you want to see Barkley back in blue in twenty twenty three? 
I mean, I'm wearing the jersey. Do the I fact that you're wearing the jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just about to say you're wearing the jersey. You have to give it. You have to give it the old. So you see the old T six. Give it the old T six. Absolutely, I I see him playing playing in blue. I will I will say I don't think he will play under the franchise tag because we'll sign him to a new deal. I know we'll put on on note that I don't see Barkley as the type of player to refuse to play if he is still on the franchise tag. I, I don't think he's got that that kind of mentality. I don't think it benefits him either. Running back's one of these positions where it's undervalued because of how many players can technically break off big runs. Now, don't get me wrong, Barkley is an absolute champion at his position. He's one of the best, but the problem is, is teams see so little value in the running back position that if he takes a year out, he probably struggles to get signed after that. Um, so, and I, th- I think he's a smart, you know, he's a smart guy and his, his agents will probably say to him, look, it's, it's not in your best interests. Play on the tag, prove it, get big money elsewhere if necessary. Let's not rule out the fact that, that um, and Kev, you might, <laughs> I'm going to throw it to you again because of uh, knowing the, the intricacies of the franchise tag, but um, can he be tagged again next season? Yeah, he can, and he would get, um, see, that's some people are saying, like, okay, would you tag him now? And then if you tagged him again, you would get 120% um, of the of the fully guaranteed money. So with it being 10.1 this year, if you fully, if you uh, tagged him again next season, He'd be entitled to twelve point two two million, both fully guaranteed. So that's a starting point. Sorry, to drop that. So that'd be, maybe that'd be the starting point. You know, two years, twenty three million. All right, what do we do for three, four years? Like, how how do we work? Because that's fully guaranteed. And then you know, l- look at it that way. Yeah, man. I think running back is definitely one of those positions that is so reliant on form. And you look at back, you know, backs in the in the past few years that have had amazing seasons and gone on to sign big contracts and then have absolutely nosedived. You know, I think Todd Gurley comes to mind when you talk about that. And it's 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 all about form. It's all about momentum. And if they have one good season, they can command big, big money. Um, and, you know, if he does go for big, if he does sign a big contract and nosedive this season, which touch when he doesn't, um, then we're unlucky. But I think if he... Signs a signs a deal and and has a a pretty good season. Then I think we're we've we're on to a winner. Um, I don't I can't see him. Um, I can't see him regressing on this year. I think he had a, he had a solid solid year this year. And I think again under that sort of same offense and in, in the same scheme, um, he's only going to get better. And he is one of the best backs in the league. And I think we need to pay the man to show that he is one of the best in the league. I think as well. What everyone's going to be saying around like one Barkley, and this is friends, family, agents and the Giants. You refuse 12 million or 12 and a half over three years. You're now going to play for one year for 10 million, so less money with no long-term guarantee. So it makes more sense for us to come to an agreement. You get security, you get more money and we get you back. And I think I can use that as a bargaining chip. And I'll try and say this without my Penn State hat on, but I find (laughs) it quite annoying when people say, oh, he's just a running back. I don't see Saquon Barkley as just a running back. One of his best plays, in my opinion, this year, we was all there for it. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Saquon, he was in the slot, I think he was, and DJ threw a pass to him, and he just sort of broke it. And I think he I think he broke a tackle, and then obviously he got, he got caught up, which, okay, yeah, you can say he's lost a step. Everyone loses a step as they get older. 
He's 26 now. He's not the 21-year-old that he was, 22 we was when he came into the league. So, of course, he's going to lose a step. That happens as you get older. But I just think the Giants can actually use Saquon, not just as a pure running back. I think he's. Ca- I don't think we use Saquon's hands as much as we probably should because he's got the hands and when he's in the open field, he's got the moves to make people miss as well. Yeah, he's an absolute weapon and he, he should definitely just... Be used more in the in the passing game and and utilize the fact that he can catch and run and break tackles. You know, it's and he's got very good at pass protection as well in the last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's just you know it it just makes complete sense to tie him up. I think and he's a piece of the franchise as well. Hundred percent. He's a he's a you know between him and Jones, their their two jerseys sell more than. Any any other any other players. So I think the two faces of the franchise sign them both up, and we've already signed one up. All right then. So uh, as we revealed a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're tracking Shane and Kev's um, favorite draft analysts mock drafts uh, to see who they who they predict the Giants are going to select with pick twenty five. Uh, four out of five of them have released their second mocks this week or over the last sort of week or so. Uh, the five analysts being Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay of ESPN, Bucky Brooks and Dan Jeremiah of NFL.com, and also radio host Lance Erline. And out of the four to release their second versions, both Todd McShay and Bucky Brooks um, stuck with their original picks from the first one and went with Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. Uh, Mel Kuyper went with TCU wide out. Uh, Quentin Johnston and Lark Serline seems to be the only one that thinks Big Blue won't pick receiver with the first round pick and he's gone for uh, Dalton Kincaid out of U- uh, tight end out of Utah for the Giants pick in his second mock draft as well. Uh, what do you guys make of uh, those picks? I hate them. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really do. I'll, I'll get on to it but uh, I've no interest in Quentin Johnson whatsoever. Um, and Dalton Kincaid first round's too rich for me. I think there's better players available with that pick. And if there's not, trade trade out. I'd rather trade out than take. I, I like Dal- Dalton Kincaid. We'll we get on to it at some point where he's on my board. And I do really like him. I think he's going to be a good tight end, but I don't think he's worth 25 overall. Yeah, I mean, just to quickly touch on the Quinton Johnson one, we'll get into that in a second. I think I think that's a good pick. I actually like him. I think he's got the traits to be a top-level wide receiver in this league. Um, the Kincaid one, um, I was the Kincaid one's interesting because I don't think Dan. I think I think Bellinger is good enough that we don't need to go tight end in the first. Although I do believe we need to draft a tight end or bring in tight end help, um, whether that be through agency mid-level or whether that be through later on in the draft. But but I think there's not enough of a weakness there for us to go there with the first round pick. Nice, thanks for that, gents. Um, names to look out for, I suppose, and see uh, see where they go in the uh, in the order of the draft. So uh, coming up at the end of April, their names to keep an eye out for. Alrighty, so it's that time again. Our resident college football experts are in the building. We've decided it's the time to start looking at their 2023 draft boards um starting off by breaking down their top five quarterbacks running backs and receivers it's time for me and you craig to sit back relax and learn kevin shane over to you both yeah so quarterback rankings um so for me i've gone for Bryce young as my number one qb uh, Anthony Richardson at number two, Will Levis at 
three, CJ Strayed at four, and Hendon Hooker at five. Um, anyone who watched the combine at the weekend, there seems to be a little bit of a, um, a bit of a crush or a loving developed old Anthony Richardson's performance. I I do really like him. I think he's probably got the highest uh, ceiling of all the all the players in the draft. I think Hendon Hooker's uh, been overlooked due to his in, in part because of his age, but also because of the uh, injuries coming off the ACL injury that he had um, last season. Um, and as for CJ Stroud, I'll come on to this in a little while with a different player as well. I just don't like Ohio, Ohio State quarterbacks. Uh, it's nothing to do with <laughs> being Penn State, honestly. But I just feel like <laughs> Ohio State quarterbacks just don't transition very well in the in the NFL. Um, so that's why he's as low down as four for me, because I've just got no interest in, in, in them. Well, yeah, just to touch on my top five, I mean, I've gone CJ Stroud um, out of Ohio State, number one. I just think he's the most well-rounded uh, quarterback in the league. I mean, he's got a beautiful passer. Um, he's got enough escapability to, to, to maneuver around the pocket, um, but he's got a lovely touch pass, and he's your prototypical height and weight for the position. Uh, Bryce Young is electric. I mean, he's he's mixed plays out of nothing but that five foot ten um, as we'll talk about a lot a lot of these um draft sort of prospects over the next couple of weeks um i'm very traditional in, in sort of like the the, the the things i like for the positions and just the five ten just scares the hell out of me you know i just um i don't really know if it, 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 i think it'll be good in the league but i'm just getting uh, murray vibes from him um will levis again i think has the potential to be the complete um tight end a complete quarterback. Uh, he's got an absolute cannon for an arm. Um, he just hasn't been as accurate as I was hoping it'd be. But, you know, at the University of Kentucky, he didn't really have the weapons this season to, to be able to showcase what he's capable of. And Anthony Richardson, as Chin alluded to, he's an absolute beast. He's a freak. You know, he runs a 4-4 um, in, the, in the 40. Uh, he lifts everything. He jumps over everything. He jumps further than everyone. He's an absolute phenom. You know, he's kind of like, a better version of Cam Newton, but the one year starting scares me. The inaccuracy scares me. The decision making scares me. Uh, and then on to Hendon Hooker, I think, who is the same age as Daniel Jones now, and we've mentioned Hendon Hooker in the past. Uh, again, he's he's a player I really like. And um, to be honest, if it wasn't for his age and his injury history, I'd have him so much higher on this list. Um, but I think um, a five is sort of the, the, the sweet spot for him at the moment. Nice. I think with um, the dude out of Florida, Richardson, the fact that he broke the record for vertical jump for a quarterback at the combine this weekend, he's a he's a pretty he's a freak of an athlete. Bryce Young, though, <laughs> do you? I mean, his size is going to be a massive problem in this league, isn't it? It's going to be a huge problem. The fact that he 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 weighed in at two oh four at the combine, he's put on weight over the last few weeks because before false weight, I think. Yeah, yeah pre combine he was under two hundred, and it's been forty years since a quarterback was drafted in the first round that weighed less than two hundred pounds, and there's a reason for that <laughs> because in the league he's going to get absolutely destroyed <laughs> unless he's behind the best offensive line in the league. I mean, he's he's a talented. Don't get me wrong. Guy. I mean, he, really he played. Is. He played in the SEC, right? So obviously, that's the best league, uh, the best division, conf, sorry, conference in college football. But I just think, like you know, if you get some of these offensive linemen are six seven, 
six 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 seven. I mean, there was they were saying in some of the combine um, pressers and stuff, or sort of the combine commentary, um, a GM would actually think about having to draft six foot two, six foot one linemen just so hard for him to be able to like see over them. And they said, he, but they said his anticipation is so good that they believe he would throw passes without being able to see. Just he knows where the ball should be and he knows where his receiver should be. And he does such good film study um, that he knows where the defense is as well. But still, it just scares me. It's so, oh, I, I just, no, it doesn't work for me. I think you've you got to be able to see over your offensive line to start with. <laughs> and I think, okay, quick question for you. So if, you're, yeah. if you've got number one overall pick and you need a quarterback, yeah. are you taking TJ Stroud? Yes, sir. Yeah. See, I'd take Richardson. Would you? I mean, you don't get me wrong. I mean, do you know, the thing with Richardson is, right, and I heard someone say it again over the combine weekend, that all draft picks are lottery picks. Right? They're all lottery picks. Like, there's nothing guaranteed. We know that. How many, how many times have we studied guys coming into the league and they've bombed, absolutely bombed? So they're all lottery picks. So they're saying, why not take the punt on someone with such a high ceiling that if you hit on that player, it could be phenomenal. So I get that part of it. No, that's fair enough. I think I think Richardson, he out of the out of the five um guys you you pick, I think he he looks to me like the most ready and and just looks like a just a bit of a freak of nature, really. Like I said, he, he does remind me very much of Cam Newton. Well, funny you said, like a lot of people do think that he actually should sit for a year. Like he should go to a lot of people say the Lions would be a perfect fit. Go there, uh, uh, yeah. Goff. You know, sit behind yeah. Goff. You know, Goff. Goff's come to the end of his contract. Sit behind him. Goff can do enough for a year or two for you. Um, or even the Seahawks with the, they just signed. Um, um, who did they sign? Gino, Gino to a to a three year deal, which is really a one or two year deal that they can get out of. So if you draft Richardson there, he can sit beside behind Gino, another mobile quarterback, uh, for two seasons. Let Gino go, and then you've got your ready made replacement. So it is interesting to see where he lands. Yeah, but I think all, all you know, all five of the guys on your list. I mean, they're all real talented guys, and they're probably all going to go in the first round, aren't they? Let's face it. But it's it's going to be. Interesting and intriguing to see who goes above who, and also because you know Chicago aren't going to go; they're going to trade out a number one, aren't they? Realistically, because I think they're going to they're going to stick with uh, what's his name? Fields. Fields. They'll they'll definitely stick with Justin Fields. Justin Fields showed enough last season that I think he can be a franchise quarterback. And I think uh, a good friend of mine, Deal, that might be watching this now, he's a massive Bears fan. he, he's been telling me the bevy of picks that he's expecting, but um, they might not get all the ones he wants, but I definitely think they will might be able to manoeuvre back a couple of times uh, because people want these QBs. And um, it's very different to the quarterback class from last season, where it's kind of no one wanted to pick anyone. Um, but I think the Bears will do well out of this for future capital. And I think the, the guys you've both graded at number one, do, do, are they truly sort of stand out number one guys in your opinion, or do you think that all the rest are very, very close behind? I think, see, look for me, looks like look, Bryce Young's my number one quarterback because I've seen the tape. He's played at Bama, like he's played in the best conference in football. I've seen enough for, to say that I'd be, I, I think he's going to do it in the league. I, I really do. Um, but like I say, Richardson's the QB I would take if he was up to me because of that 
high ceiling. Um, and like, you know, all the talk coming out of Indy from the combine at the weekend is that he smashed everything. Like, not even just the drills, like even the meetings, the way he conducted himself. Um, he was absolutely like outstanding from everything I've sort of heard and, and read on the internet. Um, so he would be... Rumblings, he could go first overall. Say again, sorry. There's Rumblings, Richardson go first overall. That That's what I mean. But then like, I'm also I'm not going to discount Will Levis. Like he's got a cannon of an arm. Like, you know, he, he could easily be maybe the first quarterback off the board. He's probably not going to be. But... It wouldn't surprise me if he was. I kind of think the only one who's probably not a lock in for the first round because of injury and age is Hooker. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Nice. I think it's the top cool. four and then and then it'll be a wait. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the top four needs to go in the top five picks. Mm. That'll be interesting. Cool. Nah. All right then. So moving on. Running backs. Here you go. Yeah, so um I think we've both got resounding number one, um, B. John Robinson, uh, best prospect since Saquon Barkley, maybe. <laughs> um, That's what they say. <laughs> I'll be interested to see what Kev's, Kev's thoughts is on the way he's ranked his. But, like, for me, like, Charbonnet and Gibbs, it's like 1A, 1B. Like, that, they are the two next sort of standouts, and you could you could interchange them as, as you want. And realistically, it just comes down to what type of back you want. Charbonnet is that bigger bodied um, back. Um, whereas Gibbs is like a little bit more more shifty. Um, Dwayne McBride is a guy I'm so so high on. Um, he, he's probably going to turn out to be a bust now. I've said that. Yeah. You know, this is a guy. He had uh, just under fourteen hundred yards last year, seventeen hundred yards this year. He had over a thousand yards after contact this year, as well as seventy six missed tackles forced. Um, and then Tank, Tank Bigsby. Um, again, I, I could literally put about five or six different running backs at number five, to be honest with you. And I just went with Tank Bigsby just because, number one, it's a sick name. Uh, and number two, <laughs> I just what he's put on, on tape. But I, I could have interchanged him with probably about five or six other running backs. Number one, he's called Tank. There you go. Chopped up. <laughs> I know, it's a great name. Yeah, so 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 with my five, I've gone um, obviously number one. Everyone's number one. BJ Robinson. I mean, BJ Robinson is he's he is the best back in Saquon Barkley. I mean, he won't go in the top ten, I don't believe, because of the way the running backs value at the moment. But he's easily won the ten uh, top ten player in this draft. I mean, he just does it all. Does absolutely everything. He's a monster. Stop. He's so shifty at his size. Um, I mean, if Barkley wasn't coming back. Uh, I'd be pining the table for him at 25, to be honest, if he was there, but he won't be. Um, and then on to Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is, is, is a very good sort of like pass catching back. He's, he's again another shifty player. Um, he's just one that kind of like does it all. Um, again, with Charbonnet, again, like a slightly different, more, a little bit more of a pirate back, but again, he's an all round. I don't know. I sort of went between Gibbs and Charbonnet back and forward because I, th- I think if you actually. Uh, twist of my arm, I might pitch Charbonnet as second because I just think he does a little more and and, and is more well rounded. Um, and I've put in uh, Devon Sheen because he's an absolute speed demon. I mean, he just ran, uh, he's got a track background, he just ran a 4 3 2 at the combine. If you're looking for an absolute speed demon to go with a bigger back, then he'd be someone I'd be looking at. Um, you know, if you're in the third round there and you want you know, to go a nice one two punch, you've got two third round picks. And he happened to be there, like, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy to pick him up. Um, and then Tajay Spears, 
he showed it. He was one of the, by far the best player at the senior ball. And then go back and and to look more at more of his tape. And he's just got great contact balance. He's just, you know, he's 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 not necessarily the biggest, he's not necessarily the fastest, but he just gets extra yards by not going down. It's a clear top three there, right? And then after the top three, again, it's off. There's plenty of other guys well, coming to play. Flavors in an ice cream shop, isn't, isn't that what they say? Yeah. Yeah, there's a clear top three. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd say Robinson's probably, in my opinion, the top five talent in, in this draft. I, I'd honestly put him that high. I'd probably maybe put Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and I might put Anthony Richardson above him. Cool. And then he's sort of in that conversation of four or five best player in the draft. Wow. He's that good then. All right then. Yeah, if anyone does it fancy football and you've got the 101, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So if we don't, if hypothetically, if we don't re-sign Barkley, um, and another team decides to go up two first for him, and he he walks off to another team, which one of those fits our scheme best? Depends where it's Robinson. Picks. Yeah, if 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 you're getting a first rounder this year, that's sort of say. I don't know who's picking 15, for instance, or 18, but in that kind of range, then I'd have no issues. A 15th or the 18th overall pick being used on Bijan Robinson, knowing full well you've still got pick 25 coming up as well. Yeah. Cool. All right. Just, just wondered. Yeah, so you, you're, you're, you're just so far ahead the rest of the class. Is he that good? But yeah. there, there is depth to be adding them really kind of third and four rounds, third, third and fourth rounds, you know, like Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby, um, even Zach Evans, Chase Brown. They're all guys that are going to be good value in that yeah. kind of third and fourth round. So we've got two third round picks. If we take a running back with one of those, does that kind of, what does that kind of say? Does that kind of say, okay, we're we're not maybe not looking at going too far with Barkley, or we're just looking to ease his workload. We've got Breeder, haven't we? Breeder's a free agent, so he's gone. So we're gonna we we'll probably pick one up. I would expect in the draft somewhere. Yeah. Um, it could it, it it seems to be the sweet spot, doesn't it? Round three for a lot of running backs nowadays. Yeah. Um, Whitney, I do have a question about uh, Robinson as well. Is he um is he one dimensional? Or, or can he catch out of the backfield? Is he because I've seen a lot of comparisons to sort of Kamara in that kind of shiftiness. Yeah. But does he does he have the ability to catch as well? Yes, yeah. they all I, do. I, but is he is he yeah, up there I, when it comes to running backs? He had nine, nine, uh, 29 targets. He had nineteen catches just gone last year. He had twenty six targets, eleven catches. Um, 314 receiving yards, 293 last year. So he's one of them, when he gets the ball in his hands again, he he doesn't go down at the first bit of contact. He can make a play and miss and he can gain you that yardage uh, that you'd be looking for on, on that maybe third third and fourth, third and fifth play, maybe on a screen play, something like that. Shane's big board is absolutely vast, full of knowledge. So um, <laughs> over 100 missed tackles, is that right? In college, uh, 104, yeah, most in the league. Uh, 1071 uh, yards after contact. <laughs> He's a beast, lads. Honestly, God, damn. Like, yeah, yeah, damn. It's just interesting as well. Jameer Gibbs, is that how you say his name? Jameer, Jameer, yeah, he's about the same size as uh, as Mr. Young, isn't he? 
five nine, hundred ninety. It's pretty much the same yeah. size as him. <laughs> like that's crazy. Like you, your quarterbacks yeah. the same size as your running back. What's going on with that? Come on. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Lastly, then receivers. Uh, top five at receiver. Who have you guys gone for? So my, my wide receiver ranking can probably be looked a little bit controversial. Um, I've got Jackson Smith and Jigbert at number one. Um, only played, I think it was five, three games this past year due to an hamstring injury. But he had a great combine. Uh, some of the stats he put up on like the three cone and the 20-yard uh, shuttle, etc., was up, up there with some of the best that's been seen. Jordan Addison was my number one for a very long time. I'm really, really high on Jordan Addison. I'm going to counteract what I'm going to say next. I really like USC wide receivers. Zay Flowers is just a guy that I'm massively high on. I, I had him at wide receiver five at one point, and he's gone up to number three. I hate TCU wide receivers. I hate TCU wide receivers more than I hate Ohio State quarterbacks. I'm going to give two oh, names. Oh, that's saying something. Josh Dobson and Jalen Rager, both first-round yeah. TCU wide receivers that were both bums. I have no well, interest. They tiny, though, weren't they? Both awful, but yeah, yeah. Type, but yeah, small. Quinton Johnson's the one draft pick that I'll turn off. I'll be like, I'm not. Even, I don't want a TCU wide receiver. I'm scared of him, so I hate him. Um, and then when it comes to wide receiver five, again, there's probably about three or four players that I could have put in here. Um, that Josh James is the one I've chosen. I'm quite high on, but likewise, I could have gone with what Kev's gone with in Jalen Hyatt as well. Yeah, so, I mean, we've gone very similar um, with them. You know, I've got Quentin Johnson, number one. I mean, he's he's just, I mean, he's got so many good traits. And, like, you know, he did go for over 1,000 yards on 60 catches. He, um, you know, he kind of just, just was their main man on their way to playing in the the college playoff football final. Like, you know, he just, um, I think, I'd, I mean, saying this now, he's going to end up being like a Kevin White, isn't he, that the Bears drafted or something. But, um I just think it's all there and it would just be a, a good foil for Daniel Jones. Although, as we said before, he's not typically the type of receiver that Daniel Jones, uh, that, um, that Dable's going for, Shane. That's more the like of Jordan, uh, Jordan Addison and um, JSN. I mean, I could have flip-flopped these two, if I'm honest. I really could have. I mean, um, they're both extremely good right runners. They just get open. Um, I mean... I just I see more of Jordan Addison uh, because Jackson um, Smith and Jingba, he was uh, got injured early on in the season and then he didn't really play for the season and then the year before he showed flashes but he was behind um, the big two wide receivers from Ohio State where they Olave and uh, the Jets one what's his name again Garrett Wilson Garrett Wilson so we didn't get to see much of him then although he did go get up. He did go on fire in the ball game, and I think it was a Rose Bowl. But so those two, I mean, I do. I don't think there's much difference between them. I just saw more of Jordan Addison the last couple of years um, to, to to sort of put him in front of him. I think Zay Flyers is one of those ones that I think would be a great fit. Again, he just manages to get open. He can play inside. He can play outside. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba plays mostly on the inside, but I do believe he can play on the outside. Whereas Zay Flyers, really, we've seen him play everywhere. Um, across the line, and he kind of has a little bit of everything. And then uh, Jaden Hyatt, I mean, we talked about him before with Hooker, you know, he, he was nowhere really to be seen. Um, Tillman was supposed to be the big uh, wide receiver this year, um, but um, Hyatt just came out of nowhere and ran for, you know, 1,300 yards for 15 um, touchdowns and just had an absolute monster season. And again, he's a bit of a speed demon. So 
yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of everything for everyone. Looking at those top fives at receiver, I think there's only one on on well, say one on both your lists that sort of is that you know typical big body wide receiver. All the rest are, are fairly small and slight, aren't they? So, is that sort of um, is that a, a good sort of in, insight into how the receiver class looks this year, or is there plenty of big body receivers as well? Yeah, I mean, from what from what I've looked at, I don't think there's more of that kind of like five, five, ten to six, one kind of range wide receivers. Um, and I, I just think Jackson Smith in jig, but I think he's the best wide receiver in this draft, hands down. I think a lot of people are thinking about his injury that he had this year, which I can completely understand. But last year he had uh, 112 targets, 95 catches, which equated to an 85% catch rate. And just under sixteen hundred yards, you know the talent is hundred percent there, um, and that's you know again it's not my job that's on the line. If I was to pick him, I can put him at the top of my board, and if he turns into a complete bust, no one ever remembers. I'm not the one who's going to be picking him. So that's why I can kind of afford to say, yeah, I'll, I'll go him at the top of my board. But like for me personally, uh, Smith and Jigba, uh, Jordan Addison, or Zay Flair, I'd be over the moon with him. Any of them three at number twenty five. I think they're all in play for us at twenty five as well. I think one or two will go before, uh, and obviously I'll put uh, uh, my number one in that thing as well. So one of them should be in play for us at twenty five. And again, um, I'd be happy with either. Of them. I do think with uh, Johnson, though, with him being sort of, I think he is fast and he can run away from people, and people see him as a big body receiver. The other guys very much sort of uh, fit the mould of what I believe uh, Dable wants his offence to be under Kafka. Wants to be, he wants Daniel Jones thrown to open receivers. He doesn't want to be throwing jump balls. Hence the reason why Kenny Galladay didn't really see the field and didn't get a target. He couldn't run away from people. Um, and the one touchdown catch he had in the end was a contested catch. Um, so I do think maybe the the, the, the three or four, my, my th- two, three, four, five would be sort of better fits than my number one. But... Um, Hey, you have to rank them somehow. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, the fact that so many people are predicting a, a receiver coming to us into, at 25, um, it was going to be my question, which one of those do you think is best suited to to the Giants and, and which one is most likely to come? I'd, I'd say that any any of the top three, I've got JSN, Addison or, or Flowers. I think I think they fit. I think we want, when Wondale comes back from his injury, Wondale... Wondell, to me, is a, a slot guy. He's pure slot, whereas the other three aren't pure slots. Like JSN, he can play in the slot. So you could have um, Wondell on one slot, JSN on another, or even Zay Flowers, and they, they run these crossing routes and, you know, good luck picking them up because they're, they're both going to be shifty players. Um, and I just think that they are going to be a better fit rather than that six-foot-three TCU bust. <laughs> You're predicting it now. Yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, like I said, the only reason why I maybe see like Addison or Flowers because I've seen them play on the outside more and I've seen them get separation out there. I mean, you're going to get a lot of shifts running across the back of the offensive line, you know, so you're not going to play much man coverage and they'll be able to get open that way. Um, yeah, so to be honest, I mean, the wide receiver isn't that deep. I mean, there's good wide receivers there, but there's none that would say shout top 10 at you. Nice. That's cool. So hopefully then your uh, your top guys will drop down to us at 25 and they're all in play, right? Mm-hmm. Winner. Or we move up for one. 
Yeah. It's If you look at the top three guys I've got, if, say, two of them are off the board, I'm fine with moving up. I'm, I, I don't want to take that. If, if it gets to pick 21 and there's only one guy on the board left, out of them three, I'm fine with moving up for one of them. So if there's all three on the board, would you move back? Yeah, it's 28. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pick up. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a fair point. And it's, a, it's a, something worth thinking of, I suppose. Um, but no, I think the, the receiver class is going to be one we're going to be focused on quite a lot because, you know, it's one of those positions we need to strengthen up. But say we do go for another slot guy and then, all right, we're now looking for a, an outside receiver in, in free agency. What outside receivers in free agency are you guys looking at? I'm still high on like the McCall Hardman train. I really am. I think he, he can play that, take the top off the defense, kind of be, be a distraction. And he, he's he's good. Like he's got his injury issues, um, but you know there's other guys that you could maybe draft later on in the draft. I mean, if you if you want to if you lose Slayton, don't get a. We, we won't really have a speedster on the team. If you start looking at what some of the players ran in the combine, Trey Palmer ran a four three three. Um, He's probably one of the quickest, uh, and then it, all the wide receivers kind of run a four in the in the mid four fours, early four fours. So I mean, Zay Flowers run a four four two, which I know kind of gets gets knocked as not very fast because you think oh four four twos four threes is what you want as fast, but four four two still pretty damn quick. quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd rather I could probably run. Rather... Ten, I could... I could probably run 10 in four seconds, <laughs> not yeah. 40. But instead of running fast in a straight line, I'd rather run, I'd rather people who run fast out of breaks. Yeah, I think straight straight line speed isn't necessarily the number one metric you want to look for in a receiver. It's, it's a lot, there's a lot of other variables you're looking for as well, right? Don't be surprised, though, if we come away with two or three receivers drafted in this, in, in this coming upcoming draft. But that'd be good though, because have a nice young receiver court, receiving core alongside Cordell, alongside um, Wondell Robinson. Um, yeah, and Hodgins. And just be, be, yeah, and in Isaiah Hodgins having, you know, his first full season as Giants. So yeah, it'd be nice to have that young receiver receiver room and yeah, talent in one of that as well. Alrighty, as usual, um, I love hearing both your thoughts on the best prospects, and it gives me names to look out for. And also who to expect to be off the board sort of in that sort of first and second round. So, yeah, it gives me some names to look into and uh, and to brush up on. So, yeah, thanks for that, guys. Appreciate it. Um, that is all we've got time for this week, Giants fans. We will be back next Wednesday at 8.30pm. So join us as we look at the start of free agency tamper period. And also it's uh, we start to break down the defensive prospects in this year's draft as Shane and Kev bring you their top fives that defensive lineman, uh, edge and linebacker. Anything else to add before we go, guys? Now, just, you know, let's uh, see what free agency brings. We've got, we know what we've got to play with essentially now. Um, I think we might make a couple of big splashes. I'm hoping one of them is going to be on a, a, a linebacker, to be honest. So maybe that's where the most money is spent. Um, so I think, is it from Monday the legal tampering can start? But I won't be surprised if the tampering's already started. Yeah. Plenty of phone calls being made, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, there's lots of... Um, I think there's a good few linebackers that we kind of discussed and we will discuss going forward. In the um, in free agency that I think are perfect fits for us, uh, but just to end the podcast with um, very pleased about getting the Daniel Jones deal done. We're able to tag then Saquon Barkley. Um, 
Saquon Barkley is our best offensive weapon. Daniel Jones is and can be a franchise QB. Let's go and use the mon- um, a bit of money that we've got and the draft capital we've got to really build this team now. And also don't forget about the fact that we still have until Monday, really, to start talking to our own free agents who are coming up, you know, Julia Love. Um, and also, you know, if you listen to Shane's presser earlier, he's already started conversations with Dexter Lawrence's representatives uh, and there will be others as well. So there's a lot of moving and shaking to happen before the even the, the tampering part of things starts and then it really starts to you know, ramp up as we, we build the roster before the draft and it should hone in where we're going to go in the draft as well, especially with the early picks. Yeah, there's a lot of look lots coming up next week to look forward to um, in terms of free agency. And there's, you know, it's all going to start, fall, things are all going to start falling into place, moulding our roster and uh, and bringing in the talent we need to, to build on the success we had in 2022. Um, remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit that little bell in the top corner as well to get the latest updates and notifications. Uh, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram. Just search for Big Blue UK and Ireland. Uh, you can also find us on the New York Giants UK Facebook page and also get in touch with us via email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. Uh, Dan Jones is still a New York Giant. It's a good start to 2023. My thanks as ever go to you, Shane, Kev and Craig for joining me and to you, the listeners and viewers for tuning in. We are signing off until next time.